This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, my fellow cat-loving friends. I'm scared of this podcast today. I'm 99.9% sure I'm going to cry. You already have cried. Probably ugly cry. We have Diane McGill here today from PetPeaceOfMind.org. I worked for hospice for quite a few years and helped people pass. I had hospice in my home. What happens if you need hospice and you've got your cats at home? Are the hospice workers going to take care of the cats? There's some very important information here. We'll be right back as soon as we have a word from the sponsor. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to 19 Cats and Counting. I am your co-host, Linda Hall, here with the gorgeous, my BFF, my right hand. Actually, my left hand, because I'm left-handed. Anyway, hi, Rita. (laughs) That's pretty funny. I love this topic, as you know. I prepared for my kitten caboodle here. Uh, Linda is going to be the recipient, should I go first, of a life insurance policy to take care of my 17 or however many I have. But that's really not enough. I didn't think far enough ahead. That's why Diane's yeah, here. Um, I, I would like to make a note and ask all of our listeners to please say a prayer that Rita lives a long life because <laughs> if she dies today, I have 28 cats. Please pray now. Now, I'm not going anywhere. The side of the road. I'm not pray. going anywhere. Okay. No worries. I want to talk to Diane. Let's get Diane in here. <laughs> oh, Diane. Diane's laughing. We have already got your. This is good. This is a serious topic, but we need to. T- you know, there's got to be some levity. Honey, I'm the queen of making bad jokes in the worst of situations. <laughs> I love that you ask people to pull over. <laughs> pull over right yeah. now, right? Twenty-eight cats. My husband will leave me so fast, Diane. It's not even. No, oh, he'll stay with her just to make her life miserable. <laughs> 28 cats is a little bit of a detour driver. Yeah, I have, you have 20. Up. I have 19 for a long time, hence the name of the podcast, 19 Cats and Counting. Because somebody wrote an article about me and said that, oh, that's a good name for the podcast. Yep. So what happens to my 19 cats when I pass? What do most people do or not do when it comes to their pets? And not just cats. Well, prior to the launch of our initiative, and we do hope that this is a game changer nationwide. We did this because of the question you just asked, Rita. What does happen? What happens for people who don't make a plan if some unfortunate incident happens in their lives? Is their pets most often end up in a shelter to face an uncertain future? Sometimes, as you both know and and live every day, sometimes they get rehomed. 
but lots of times they don't. And so how do you prevent that? So how you prevent that is a simple, simple, simple fix. We have created a five-page document called My Pet Placement Plan. Yeah, I have it right in front of me. It's awesome. And it's designed to do one thing and one thing only, which is to ensure that your beloved pet or pets Here it has is. a place to go, a formal plan that's executable, legal, and easy to put together. And what my pet placement plan actually contains is information about the person that you've selected to be your new pet care guardian. Yep, right here. What happens in the pet's daily life? What do they eat? What kind of symptoms do we need to look for if they're not doing something or they are doing something? What's their medical record? What's their vaccination record? What diseases have they had? Do they have bad skin? All nature of information that you and you alone and your veterinarian, of course, would know about your pet. All of that needs to be shared with your new with your new pet guardian. And then one simple step, one simple final step is to have the document notarized so that your pet is going to the home of your choice. It's legal, it's free, and it takes 20 minutes for you to make a plan. So simple. Thank uh, you. If you have so 17 cats, you need 17 of these. <laughs> no, I think you can list them all on one, right? I love that there was a, a section authorizing this person. So let me tell you, we had some darling friends we met at church, an older couple. They kind of adopted my son. You know how that happens. They become family. He passed from cancer. Unfortunately, then she passed or was passing from cancer. Like they were like two years apart. It was awful. They had two cats. So yeah. it was already decided. No problem. JC and Molly are going to my daughter's house. They're seniors. She would never be adopted. She was a hider. I used to joke that she didn't exist. You know, she was hiding all the time. So after Sharon passed, I immediately called their vet because it's a little further out that I, I want to take my vet, right? They wouldn't give me any information because they have to talk to the owner. And I'm like, well, I'm waiting for the funeral home to take her body away. And she's not saying Yeah, much. wait, I let's mean, hold a seance and see if we can reach her. I got really mad and ugly. And I mean, she had just died and I loved her. So I, I'm not really proud of my behavior. But yes, I threw a fit. And it was the most Did they finally give you access, Linda? Did they? Yeah, it yes. was quite a fit. But yes, yeah, but that's painful. I mean, that's painful for the person who's trying to help. And it's so easily avoidable. Yeah, no. I'm trying puts to figure the vet, out everything. And it puts the vet in a situation too, though, right? Because legally, they're not supposed to give out the information. That's exactly. Right. I get it. I do. I just, at that time, I'm grieving and I'm trying to figure out, you know, you jump in and you're like, I'm going to do things to make myself feel better, right? So I'm going to get Molly and JC short away. I'm going to make an appointment at my vet. We're going to figure out how we're going to move them. And then, no, I have to talk to the original owner. So I'm curious though, Diane, what got you started on this road? Well, Every week, we get many, 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 many calls from either people who um, walked into a situation, usually family members who don't want the family pets, and the pet owner has faced some sort of crisis. Sometimes it's death. It's not always death. And I think that's the most important thing to keep in mind, that no one knows when 
a calamity is around the next corner. I mean, I don't mean to be doom and gloom, but no, it but it's true. It's you leave the house in the morning and you're in a great mood and everything's going great and wham, you're in a car wreck. And what's going to happen to your pet? Because you're not coming home for a while. So it's those kinds of things. So every person who owns a pet, no matter what your age or health circumstance is, make a plan. And Rita, to your point, that's why we did this. We got so many calls from people who said, I'm dying and I don't know what's going to happen to my pet. Oh, I know. I've seen or that on the internet. Mm -hmm. Who, again, walked into a situation. My best friend had an accident. My best friend, sometimes it's desertion. My best friend, you know, had a mental health breakdown and isn't around anymore or isn't going to be around for a while. It, it's everything. It's every major life calamity that one could imagine that you need a plan for. It's one plan for all circumstances. This is an how many people when we own just forgot pets in England, how many clients do we have that were already in the hospital that would call us because they had no one to go feed? Sometimes their cats hadn't been fed in uh, like three, four days because they didn't expect to be in the hospital. Special needs cats. And well, my son-in-law, the EMS came and took him one day, he spent 26 days on a vent in a coma with COVID and died. And even if he had gotten back, I mean, he's 38. Nobody was planning Completely for that, unexpected. right? Nobody yeah. was planning for that. There's another scenario that's all too unfortunately common. Someone is in a domestic violence situation. They go to a shelter and they cannot bring the pet. And now the abuser claims ownership of the pet. This is an easy way to fix that too. So it isn't just you know death and illness. That's it's a very good point. Homelessness, domestic abuse, mental health situations pick one so solution here so let me ask you i know that you're working with hospices i want to hear more about that the interim because we know that these animals and i shared with you that my my former husband who had passed in 2002 had a dog they were very bonded i sometimes feared he loved her more than me but we won't talk about that now and uh she was very important to his death process and my daughter and i both worked as nurses aides for a time and i my daughter had a client with a bengal cat who was mean Okay, we know no cats really mean, but you know, it's aggressive because it had issues. And so they were doing the best they could, which they didn't have to, it was not a requirement of the agency that sent her, but she they were doing the best they could to try to feed this cat. But the cat's lunging at them, and I'm not sure I would have said sorry, I'm out, right? So this was way before we were behaviorists. Yes, yes, yeah. So now what happens? Okay, I found somebody to take my cat after I die, but what if I'm on hospice for six months? I want my kitties to lay with me in the bed, please, Diane. Yeah, we have a solution for that. So pet peace of mind, our core work, I mean, starting my pet placement plan is something that we were compelled to do for every pet owner. But our core work is serving people who are dying and need care for their pets to keep their pets with them as they progress through their end of life journey, and then to pass with the peace of mind, knowing that their pets are rehomed in a new forever home. So, you know, within that core work, we work with hospices all over the country. And we have a program, we started the program in 2009. So it's been around 15 years now. 
Um, we are a nonprofit organization and we work with we work directly with hospices to train their volunteer coordinators how to recruit proper volunteers who have deep benches in pet care experience, all the protocols that it takes to send a referral through the hospice channel that, you know, such and such patient needs a pet peace of mind intervention, not intervention, but needs pet peace of mind help. And then the team that the volunteer coordinator assigns actually cares for the pet while the patient is still alive. And then when, while the, if the patient is capable and still has speech capacity um, and can do some direction on who should take the pet or who they would like the pet to go to, um, that is ideal. And ideally, if they can make the arrangements and you know, get it taken care of before they pass, that means that there's no gap in the pet's home. That's the ideal situation, and we all know that life isn't ideal, you know, very rarely. So the rehoming aspect takes time and patience. So our hospice partners sometimes work with shelter volunteers, but very often their own volunteers who have been specially recruited and trained. And that's a huge part of the training that we deliver to the hospices is how do you recruit pet care volunteers, and how do you recruit people who have rehoming experience? Because they're sometimes they're similar, but at times they're very different. If you're going to rehome, you need somebody with really good marketing experience that knows how to speak within the animal welfare community, um, and so on and so on. So it's a multifaceted program, but it does cover every single aspect of having a pet travel the end-of-life journey with a patient. Yeah, because if I'm on my deathbed and I still have my sweetie pie, she better be in their bed with me. Exactly. I love all my cats, but that's my little girl. So that's what I was thinking. They offered to take my Dan to a, a hospice center, and they, those are amazing, but he really needed me. He wanted to be at home. I've got kids. I was like, no, I cannot divide myself between two buildings. I really think as, as much as I was undertaking, and it was a lot, um, having him here was important. I turned this room into everything he loved, sports, junk, and just, I mean, I made it his paradise. When I was done decorating, he literally said I could die in this room. And I was like, all right, we've achieved something. Yeah. If I had gotten rid of Katie, his dog, I mean, I don't, there is no he would have been broken hearted. Uh, there's no them. amount of Tigers baseball memorabilia that would have taken the place of his Katie dog. He'd have he would have been miserable. And what more do you want in that time than to give someone as much comfort and peace of mind as you possibly can to make this easier on everyone? Well, I noticed you have quite a list of partners too. Yeah, this we have about three hundred hospices nationwide, and we have a very 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 excellent strategic relationship with the National Hospice and Palliative Care Organization. That's how we stay top of mind with the hospice industry. About 75-80% of the hospices in the country belong to NHPCO and they help, they market the program for us, they invite us to their conferences, they do so much for their hospice partners to help them understand that this program is a available 
and B, how to get in touch with us to get it put into place. Um, Want to, you know, and just speak a little bit about that for a moment because I think the 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 advocacy part is a critical piece of what we do. And when I think about advocacy, what that means in our world is there are very few parents who would not make a plan for what would happen to their kids, or would they think about keeping their kids and a dying parent separate as the parent navigated end of life. This is the same for people who have chosen pets as their um, as their children or as their kids. This is that organization that evangelizes for the pets, for the people who, who, who share that bond when they can't speak for themselves. So I'm grateful you're here. And on that point, we're going to have Linda wipe her eyes while we I know, right? Okay. Now we're going to go to a break. Plan. Oh, we'll be right back in just a few minutes. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And we are back with 19 Cats and Counting, the weeping Linda Hall. I'm sorry, honey. I'm trying It's a nerve so for her. And Diane McGill of My Pet Placement Plan, which is uh, something that I've... It's pointed out a lack in my plan because I don't have that document and I need to fill that out. Yeah. I think, too, that you need to be specific. You know, if I just say, will you take care of what happens to my pets? To someone else... An appropriate response to that responsibility could be making sure they get to the Humane Society. Right. Yeah. You know, are you going to keep them? Are you going to rehome them? Is that okay? What more do we want when someone passes than to know their exact wishes on everything, right? Oh, yeah. We we had a client in pet sitting that um, she wanted her cats. She had terminal cancer and she knew. And uh, she wanted her cats to go to one of our pet sitters. And I was the only person she told. So when she passed, she's in LA, I had already moved back here. I just happened to find out by accident she passed and I was able to intervene just in time. I mean, her friends were getting ready to put those cats in the shelter. So, you know, had I not been watching, those cats would have ended up in the shelter. I I think it was divine intervention that I even noticed her, the post about her passing right on the day they were about to take the cats away. Think about which ones of our cats that we have between us that would last or be adopted. I mean, FIV boy here would not get adopted. My three-legged moochie wouldn't. Your three-legged moochie would not get adopted. She's got issues. My 19-year-old. 
Yes, old man Tiger, who's 19 and is a jerk, would not get adopted. He'd be slapping everybody what? up. He only loves not my just daughter. That, Linda, but the adoptable ones, you know, don't you want to say in who they go to? I want to know my sweetie pies with somebody that will love her as much as I do. Well, and you kind of want to meet them, you know, again, going back to the either our work with hospices or my pet placement plan. Rita, that is a really important point that you make because you do want to know. Who is my pet going to be living with? And Linda, your point's a really good one too. And what does that mean that you're going to take care of my cat? I want to know that it's going to be in your home as a bonded companion with you too, not ending up for some random place or in some uncertain future because, you know, that's what you thought. That I, I, yeah. So both of you make really key points around. Um, both our, our core work and my pet placement plan. One of my very, um, okay, Linda, waterworks. Okay, uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> I'm just going to take my glasses off to get started. Go ahead, go ahead. Good call. We had a, one of our hospice partners about seven or eight years ago had a woman uh, who was on service. And um, when she came on service, they said, do you have a plan for your pet? And she said, yes, my best friend is, is going to take her. And so she said, but she doesn't live in the area and I do need help with deli care. So their pet peace of mind team for that hospice took care of her dog, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She got to the point where she was ready to pass and she was really suffering. And finally the hospice nurse said, what's keeping you here? What's holding you that you can't cross over? And she said, my best friend changed her mind about taking my dog and I cannot go. Until I know where she's going to go. Oh, my God. And so who would do said, that to their friend who's dying? Right. That's a really good question. And so they put, they had a very robust Pet Peace of Mind following. And they put the word out in their Pet Peace of Mind following. Um, and within a couple hours, someone stepped up and said, I would really like to meet this dog. I'd really like to meet this patient if the patient is okay with that. And so the meeting was arranged for like two hours later. And the pet, it was an instant bond with this woman. And the owner got to see it. The pet got to be there while the three of them were together. And the woman who was going to adopt the dog said, I will come and get her when it's time. And she left. And the patient died within the hour. <gasps> you got my waterworks going too. I knew you were going to say that. I've seen it so many times, Vaspas. Yeah. People don't understand the will to stay in your body. Yeah. I have seen people with no blood pressure, even palpable. And we're like, how are you alive? They're waiting for that kid to come home. They're waiting for Christmas. They're waiting for, you know. They're waiting for something. They're waiting for that last thing <sighs> that they need to do while they're on this earth. And, and what a horrible a thing to it be is. fighting. I mean, my husband and I, and that's one of the reasons I'm grateful that he had a long death. If that's, that sounds horrible, I'm sorry. Because um, we we talked about everything. The no, man wrote his own sense. funeral. He picked his hymns. He picked his pallbearers. He wrote a letter to be read. He ran the show. <laughs> and he, you know, we talked. And he said, I'm worried about you. And I said, I'm going to be okay. And he you know, he needed to unburden himself of all of that. And it was my job to take that and assure him, we got it, we got it, we got it, we're okay. 
if you're worried about someone that you love that much, I don't care if they have fur or skin. Yeah, it can hold you here in pain. Who wants that? Well, my kitties are my kids. I don't have human children. They're my kids. I think I have human children and my cats are still my kids. I'm (laughs) sorry. No. For lots of people, yeah, it isn't. Sometimes it's not either or sometimes it's both. Yeah. You love it's your not, and you love your kids. But, it's a okay. different love, but I can't say one is stronger. And in some ways, honestly, client told me this when we had the pet sitting business. I said, I get it. You worry about your cats. He was so overprotective. I wanted to kick him. And he said, I said, I got it. You know, it's like your kids. And he said, no, I worry about my cats way more than I worry about my kids. My kids have opposable thumbs. They can dial 911. They can walk out the door. They can can tell me when I come home what happened to them. My cats do not. And I was like, yeah, that's a good point. Okay, thanks. You know, now that we're all weeping. Oh, my God. Let's get a little humor in here. Please. We were talking before we started recording. What is the weirdest pet that you've come across uh, in my pet placement plan? Well, and my pet placement plan actually just launched October 1st. But in our work with uh, hospices who have cared for, who are caring for patients, bonded pets, the weirdest one we've heard of is a tarantula. Oh my gosh. Hospices in the Southwest had a patient who just loved it. The bond is the bond is the bond. Exactly. It is what it is. It was observable bond between the tarantula and the patient. That's Um, amazing. The Tarantula got sick and they to the vet and the vet actually knew what to do. Usually exotics, vets who specialize in exotics yes. still with um, spiders and reptiles and other non-traditional pets, birds. And they were able to find somebody willing to take the tarantula after their owner passed? That we do not know. We, we uh, did not hear what the eventual outcome was of the pet, but what we did know is that the vet saved the, the tarantula's life and the patient was delighted. So, Aww. But there are quite a few patients that actually have reptiles. And part of the Pet Peace of Mind program, a huge part that we spend training our hospice partners is around how to recruit the proper volunteers. You do not just go out and recruit a volunteer off the street to do this work. They need to bring with them some deep experience in handling multi multifaceted temperaments, different species. Some people, certainly all of our hospice partners help patients with dogs and cats. But it's up to our partners whether or not they have appropriate that they, they um, can recruit appropriate volunteers for horses, birds, fish, reptiles, other exotics. But There's surprisingly a larger number of individuals out there who have that care experience that are willing to do it for someone else. So it doesn't happen all that often that someone's left high and down. Pet sitters would be a great segment to recruit to do this type of volunteer work. Boarders, groomers, all three of those are key. They're key recruiting groups. You're, you're exactly right, Rita. Those are, those, are, those are where we encourage our partners to draw from. And also vet techs. Uh, vet techs make fantastic volunteers. And then every Pet Peace of Mind program needs a consulting veterinarian because volunteer coordinators, once in a while you have a volunteer coordinator who has really, really deep pet 
healthcare experience. But often, um, they're they can get into situations where they're not sure what to do, and having a consulting vet as one of the volunteers, they've got a safety net where they can pick up the phone and make a call and say, "Hey, here's the situation. What do I do?" So the consulting vet with every program is not a treatment vet. It is a it's an advisory role that. Um, again, provides that safety net. That's what doctors do, at least here, in my experience of working with and being with. I never had a doctor in my home the whole time my husband was on hospice. They call the doctor, he calls in meds, they give them information, it's the nurse that's doing it. Yep, that's exactly how it works. You know, something I was thinking about, it's not just the humans. Your pets need to be able to say goodbye. So my friend that I told you about that had the cats that um, my daughter took, Her daughter had a dog, Sophie, who loved his grandma, and she loved Sophie. So Cheryl came to stay the last couple of days of Sharon's life, and she brought Sophie with her. And Sophie kept coming over to the hospital bed, using her nose to move the blankets over, sniffing Sharon's hand, licking it, and walking away. About five minutes after Sharon died, Sophie came in the room, looked at her, paused for a minute. We pulled the blanket off her hand. Sophie kind of walked up, didn't even touch it, hung her head and walked away. If Sophie hadn't been there, where's the closure? Where did Nana go, right? And if this is, I mean, a little different being a grand dog, but if this is your animal who lives on your shoulder 99% of the time, where did mom go? Right. Allowing that animal to be a part of that passing and to know that you're gone and stop looking for you is huge in helping the animal to recover after the passing. And so, Linda, that is a really, really key point for anyone who's hearing this or watching it. A lot of the work that we've had to do since founding Pet Peace of Mind is advocacy and changing the national conversation about the importance of pets at the bedside and the importance of easing the anxiety that patients feel around what's going to happen to my pet. So prior to pet peace of mind, hospices very often said to patients, you know, we have no capacity to care for your pets. So you're going to need to rehome them and and find a place for them. We can't care for your pet and you're too sick to care for your pet. So you need to make a plan and, and find a place for your pet. Absolutely. No, 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 a thousand times no. So thus, Pet Peace of Mind was born. And that's exactly why Pet Peace of Mind was born, is that reason right there. No one should be forced to give up a pet at the most critical moments of their life. And so... When my husband, my daughter's husband, my husband's daughter, yeah, when my daughter's husband passed from COVID in 2020, she came to me and she said, I can't afford the bills without Sebastian. And, you know, my kids are always welcome home. I'm not sure my husband feels that way, but I do. And, um, oh no, he does. You know, is, he does. He Brian's does. a great problem guy. is they had four cats. We had seven cats in a chihuahua. And so many people have said, I cannot believe you allowed her to bring her cats home. And I'm like, look, it was a nightmare. It was the last thing on earth I wanted to do. What the heck is wrong with me that I would look at her and say, I'm sorry, your husband's dead and I'll give up your babies, right? So they came home and it was tough, but we did it. But not everybody, she still thanks me regularly three years later to this day. Like, what would we have done? Where would we have gone? She sees homeless people and she cries and she's like, you know, she called a shelter 
fool and asked if they took, you know, if they could take her cats in. I mean, this is where she was at while being 32 years old and having watched her husband die. What the heck? Who needs to live like that? Right? Like, well, that, that brings uh, up another point, too, Linda. When I used to volunteer with Saving Life Rescue in LA, this girl came in and she, um, she had to surrender her cat because she lost her job. She had to move back home with her parents. And her parents said, No, you can't bring the cat. So, People under, in circumstances like this also need to have this plan in place when you say, Diane, it's not just people who are, who are terminally ill. Yes, absolutely. This, you know, my pet placement plan covers all nature of life catastrophes. So Rita, to your point, talk about, you know, that woman. So it was heart document, you know, the, the old adage, fences make good neighbors, documents make good friends. Documents like this spell it out with accuracy and agreed to solution. So let's talk about your friend who, let's say that she'd, she'd had a friend who was willing to take that cat. Now the friend gets bonded to the cat. The document covers, you know, if, if the pet, if I get back. Oh, then my, they want it back. Yeah. I want it back. I'm, you know, I, I have the right to take my pet back. So that's a good point. It's an important distinction whether someone uses our document which is a free and it's always going to be free um, but whether someone uses our document or incorporates a pet plan into their estate plan or whatever make a plan for what's going to happen to your pet if something happens to you and talk to your friend about it. Don't just assume, oh, Joni loves cats. She'll take my cat. Yeah, Joni may me. not agree when the moment happens. Like, or I, Joni's husband might say, no, well, we have enough pets. Too. I mean, I love cats. But under any other circumstances, when I've taken four in to add to my seven in a chihuahua, no. <laughs> Yeah, she Make wouldn't have voluntarily sure. had eleven. Uh, uh, uh no, eleven and seventeen. Don't don't do these numbers don't at home. Exactly. <laughs> so that the, I did ask this question earlier, but I think I was laughing. If you've got multiple pets, you need multiple documents, or you yes. just one. You do okay. You do. That's good for people to know. I'll have to. I'll I'll be taking Renting seventeen documents okay, to the notary. Here we go. You know, if if you really if you've got a number of pets, lots of times if you've got a dog and a cat, you can find someone to take a dog. You can find someone to take a cat, but it, it is often really difficult to find someone who will take both. That's true. So, you know, if you, in your case where you've got multiple cats, if you know someone who's going to take multiple cats, you can spell it out in the document. I gotcha. Place to, you know. Yeah, Linda gets them all. You can but say yes. I'll just if go there's lots it. of cats or lots of pets, maybe two are going to go here, three are going to go there. Gotcha. Diane, are you saying that our average listener doesn't want our 11 and 17 cats? Come on, people, <laughs> speak up out there. You I'm want them, sure, right? Linda. Not without the insurance policy, so I'm all set, Linda. I don't know about That's you. True. <laughs> I'm relying on the kindness of my friends and family. <laughs> good luck with that. And that's right. a good point, that's too. The point. If you have one or two, okay, although it still might be a good idea to put a little money away for that. Right after adopting Sharon's two cats, Molly and JC, JC had an ulcer in his eye, had a surgery, didn't hold, had to have the eye removed. It wasn't cheap, it wasn't people. Cheap. So you might want to put a little something. And if you're taking on 17 cats, thank you to my best friend for putting an insurance policy with that because I will take them, but I don't know how I'm going to feed them. 
So I got you there. Let's stop here because that's an important uh, component of my pet placement plan. There is a financial planning component of this that you can complete and make even financial arrangements for your That's amazing. Yes. Um, So complete that part too. I mean, that's part of the document because again, Linda, you make a really good point. That's a, that's an important consideration. If someone has all the love in the world, but zero cash to do, and especially if they're taking on a pet, that's got a lot of health problems. Um, As a pet owner, you have the ability within this document to make that financial plan and ensure that your new guardian is going to have the resources needed to care for your baby. In other words, get that insurance policy, baby. Right. You don't, well, you don't want them to find themselves in a situation where like, I'm going to have to euthanize the cat or rehome the cat because I can afford the cat. The cat now has diabetes, which is going to cost insulin, which is crazy expensive. So yeah, I know we're out of time, but I really want to keep talking. Can we just keep going? (laughs) We would love to have you back again. uh, If you have any special events coming up, that would be awesome. And we want everyone to remember this is a nonprofit organization. I assume people can make donations to you, Diane. Oh, yes. Yes, they can. <laughs> <laughs> Petpeaceofmind.org. Visit their website, read all about their programs, get yourself the pet placement plan, fill that out, get that notarized, make sure that your friends know it's what's going to happen to your pets. Where should they go when you pass? And Linda Hall, of course, I'm always so grateful that you're here. My right hand gal. I spent my time with you. We enjoyed it too, Diane. We learned a lot, and I hope everybody listening, this is such an important topic. Please, please take it seriously. Mark Winter, thank you so much for our spot on Pet Life Radio. And remember, folks, every single day is Catter Day. We'll see you next time. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.